Welcome to another Brothers in Farms episode. Today we'll be talking to Frosty Wookie, who is a, one of the new breeders at Brothers in Farms and is currently testing a number of lines. Uh, we'll also be joined today by KT, who is a mod at Brothers in Farms and more than likely her dog. So without further ado, let's meet the guys and get on with the show. Okay, today we've got Frosty Wookie talking about his crosses and upcoming breeding projects, and we're also joined by KT. Say hi, KT. Hey guys. <laughs> Yay. Okay, Frosty. Good to see you, man. How's it going? Thanks for having me. Very good. Very good. So let's just dive straight in because I've got loads of questions. <laughs> so, what stage, Frosty, right in your growing, did you decide you wanted to breed? I'd say I've always had an interest in breeding, but um, my need uh, for flower outweighed that. Uh, so it wasn't until the it wasn't until I was able to manage the balance between you know my what I could produce versus what I needed for my medicine, and then once I was able to balance that, um, I was full on. I was I was I was digging into it, and about that time was uh, was about when uh, right before Daz released his uh, S three. Uh, legacy line of regular auto flowering uh, uh, varieties. Yeah. But you know, you said striking that balance is um, how do you do that? Because <laughs> uh, I kind of hear lots of horror stories of people trying to maintain flower and do breeding projects at the same time and everything just getting pollinated. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's a lot of ways to approach it. You know, in my case, um, I just did it the most simple way. Um, I outgrew myself, so I had enough sitting in stock that it gave me the ability to feel like, you know what, I can devote you know, three or four months to trying this out and seeing if I like it, you know, seeing how these things turn out. And so that's what I did. I, you know, jumped into it and uh, started with the autoflower Um breeding train it was really interesting to me to see uh you know how far autoflowers had come from back when i you know back early when i first started um yeah so yeah that was kind of now? do you still do that now that kind of like um flower window i'm going to produce myself you know x months of flower and then i'm going to do breeding uh yeah. as a, you know so you build up stock enough to last breed until you need to flower again <laughs> yeah yeah and that's that's exactly what i do like right now i'm in a down period i'm just running a bunch of um, males from one of my lines um you know just taking notes you know looking at the variety uh, and expression of those outcrosses and you know if i see something that i like along the way i'll snag him up and collect his pollen so right now i have no flower going besides the males uh, there is a female in there with them that i've uh just let her chill out uh so there'll be about 
well, I think seven or eight males that have pollinated her and I'll probably keep those seeds for a head stash. But yeah, that's what I'm doing now. I'm in a down period. And so I'm able to you know, mess with the pollen without worrying about contamination of anything else in my primary space. Uh, later on, you know, uh, one of the other ways that you could you know, approach it. And later on, what I, my intention is uh, to separate the breeding project uh, in space from each other <laughs> so that I can just continuously run both. But, you know, uh, we have goals and we work towards those goals and they're constantly changing, right? Uh, sure. It's, it, it's hard. I think it's hard for a lot of people. And I think a lot of people think that they can maintain some sort of flower, uh, growing them in neighboring tents and, oh, it's okay, I'll... I'll make sure that the ventilation's there and they won't pollinate. Uh, I haven't seen it happen yet. <laughs> I've seen folks there, you know, hypothesize or, you know, claim that you can do it in these breeding chambers, maybe a clear bin with a rubber gasket seal and you, you throw a fine micron filter on, on the intake <laughs> or the, you know, with a computer fan and you can, you know, I, and I think, you know, you can have some success with it, but you need to be methodical. Uh, yeah. Right. And let's face it, uh, most of us are gardeners, <laughs> so, you know, yeah. so we get our hands dirty and um, sometimes things go awry and uh, pollen is definitely something that you can't track with your eyes, right? You never really know if you've gotten it all or, you know, only time will tell. <laughs> uh, so how much space would you say that uh, you should have to successfully be able to breed indoor but also be able to make sure you have enough flour to get you through between your breeding projects yeah i mean that's um okay yeah so uh you know you can breed in as small of a space as a four by two i mean heck you could do it in a two by two um you know one plant one one male one female one female yourself uh you know you could do it in a small space if you're just going to run some you know if you're not really trying to do a large run or anything so you could do it in as small a space as that if you're trying to do something a little bit larger it could be done in a four by two um you know i flowered um i flowered and seeded um you know up to oh gosh you know maybe 15 or 16 or so maybe a little less uh, females in a four by two with one male um, you know, and out of that, you can get, you know, easily 10 or 15,000 seeds, you know, between six, 800 up to 2,500 seeds per plant. So, you know, clearly a four by two would be enough if you want to run some small auto breeding projects. So, you know, if you're doing some bigger things, working a bunch of photos or trying to do multiple projects at once, clearly you're going to need a lot, a lot more space if you're working with more than, say, one male. Uh, but it could be done in a four by two. As far as, you know, how much space you might need to manage, you know, keep up with rates of consumption, um, you know, that's going to depend on, A, how much you're going to need, you know, and B, your your, your skill level, and also see the nature of the, the cultivar that you're growing out in that how much can it produce per some given measure, uh, whether we measure that in watts, square footage, or you know, per plant, you know, so many ounces per plant, right? You just have to kind of, kind of got to feel all of those out. But I'd say in general, um, you know, if you're at least moderately accomplished 
and you don't hold a lot of your plants back um, due to stress, uh, you know, or, or, or other issues, um, you know, um, probably a four by four would, I could maybe four by eight, maybe two four by fours. You know, it just depends on, on your skill level. For me, I could do it in a four by four. I have no doubt. I could keep myself and everything I need going in a four by four. I've been doing it in a five by three lately. So, um, and that's with no, no, no sort of training. Right. So, uh, yeah, long answer to short question, but, uh, you know, I say that you could run both and keep yourself going with like a, say a four by two, you do a decent sized breeding project with one male and you're in a four by eight. Uh, you know, at least if you're halfway accomplished in, in growing techniques and practices, you should be able to supply yourself. But um, do you have a, a separate kind of setup for medium growing process separate from flowering? Like mediums, cocoa, soil, do those differ for you when you're doing kind of like seed runs and things like that? Or or do you just grow everything out pretty much the same? Um, so, yeah, I think this kind of ties into my preference in medium. Um, and over time, it's changed. I've grown in everything from... 100% perlite, hempy style back 20 plus years ago um, <laughs> to uh, dirt out in the field, no amendments, just field dirt, uh, you know, before that. And, and, and more recently, I've, I've, you know, last five or so years, I bring cocoa and, you know, peat, peat mixes and peat cocoa mixes with and without perlite, <laughs> trained to waste, uh, organic, amended or organic of my own mixings um and then also store brought uh you know I, I use the brands that people say are horrible and don't use them too and, and i've had great success i've done it simply for convenience at this point like coco loco for example is one of my favorites uh, you know uh, you, i think you grow in cocoa and you probably have a, at least a, an idea of the benefits of cocoa and that you can get more out of a smaller pot um and it kind of applies to for organics. So uh, I'm leading up to um, what I've been doing most recently is I've been growing for flour um, in a Coco Loco amended mix. And I've also been growing for my seed runs in that same mix. Um, the difference being that much smaller pots for the seed runs for the autos yeah. and then larger pots for the flour. Um, and then, you know, I'll let those go and, Depending on how lazy I've been, I'll either try to keep up with my top dressing, or if I'm too late, uh, I, I just won't even go there, and, and I'll just mix up some mega crop and just go ahead and feed them out, you know, yeah. through the rest of flour in that same medium. Um, you know, well, I'll go ahead and top dress as well, though. Um, I just try to keep it light. In my mind, I want to keep both microbes, uh, microbial herds, you know, working in the in the medium as much as possible, even though, you know, I, I, I didn't uh, pot dress or amend or I really don't have the setup for say like an organic tea uh, right now, you know, it needs to be a comp, yeah. you, know, you know, you need to do that at a, a fairly wrapped, you know, off, uh, let's see, at least a pretty fast interval to keep teas going. So that's just doesn't really suit my lifestyle. So I usually just go to the mega crop and finish them off. Um, what do you think about kind of because some people who kind of get mixed information off the internet and things and think well, 
okay, you can't keep microbes alive and use salts like megacrop and things like that uh, because it'll kill you there and it's never going to happen. But what do you kind of make of those kind of <laughs> remarks? Because I see them all the time. Reddit's the usual culprit for that, mind you. So, yeah, I mean, you know, um, I'd say that um, if you read some... If you read a little bit about how salts work and you, you read outside of you know read material that comes from outside of the cannabis community that is you know from the horticultural community ornamental or you know even um even like you know crop production uh, um, um information i mean it, i think it's Pretty common knowledge that you know the use of salts doesn't kill all of the microbes, um, and it's not necessarily that it kills off the microbes unless the you know the EC rate of the soil exceeds some threshold where those microbes can't survive, right? Like like yeah. they can avoid that stuff. It's not like it, it directly attacks them and you know lyses their cells open. Uh, I, I'm sure in some cases it, it likely does, and a certain application rates but but soil microbes continue to exist in the soil where say we do uh, large-scale crop production for for corn or soybean uh, those microbes continue to exist despite the fact that they're out there you know putting uh, you know salt nutrients down every year you know and they're spraying uh, uh, they're spraying roundup on roundup ready crops you know the soil microbes are still out there so I mean if you look at these data it seems kind of silly to think that uh, there's something different going on in the pot, right? Yeah. So, so that's at least that, my perspective, yeah. Yeah, so in other words, what you said there in a very educated way was it was bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> if it, it, I mean, if it's true, it's unsubstantiated, right? And yeah, I haven't seen evidence course. to 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 you know back it up um and, and i'm just going off what i know as a soil scientist so uh you know and, and i see my plants i see my plants and i see how well they do and um you know uh you know you just kind of read the plants and you know yeah the microbes are still there yeah <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> now i mean i guess i should get caveat here so like you can kill off your microbe herds in the soil in your pots and one way for someone to easily do that is to let it dry out too much if your soil dries out your organic soil or your your fox farms any whatever mix dries out too much your microbial herds are going to die off like especially if your plants not fully the roots haven't fully propagated that pot or at least substantially propagated that pot to to maintain microbial communities in different areas of that pot where there might be a little more moisture so they can survive and dry back right if you're say you're growing in a fabric pot and you're always watering top down and the edges in the top pretty much always stay dry you'll notice roots never propagate that media reason is yeah. is because it's never moist right and and microbes don't live there neither they they die out and the same thing can happen in the soil if you don't water it properly or you allow it to dry out too much those microbial herds will die back and then you water your plant and then your plant has deficiencies because it can't uptake certain nutrients and then you try to fix it uh you know you try to water it more you try to give it some nutrients or something and then you know you're just like putting a band-aid on something that's not even really hurt yeah, that's 
it's um, yeah. I, I, I'm big. I'm a big fan of using um, product called TNC Micore. I don't know if you've heard of that one. Um, I know it's made here. Um, I know some of the American guys have got their hands on it, but um, I'm a great fan of just sloshing that around, regardless of what media I'm using in. Is it a magic potion? Is it working when I use it in cocoa? I don't know, but uh, I, <laughs> <laughs> I, it, it, it certainly works when I'm using it in, in kind of like soil mixes. But uh, I'm a great fan of splashing that around just to give the, those microbes that kickstart, you know. I fully agree with you. Um, I'm not familiar with that product, but I'm familiar with a lot of other products. And I'm going to be testing a uh, different non-cannabis-related one coming up. Uh, I'm not sure when. I, I I got it in a few weeks ago. Um, but it's you know, it's a really cheap microbial um, a product that's been around for a long time. And it's been used in the vegetable industry. And, you know, it's just a combination of certain types of microbes, um, you know, and, and that's what most of the different products are, right? Like I'm saying something that, that most of us probably know, like, yeah, of course, there's lots of different microbes in these. Well, <laughs> you start thinking about microbes in this planet, there are like millions and billions or billions of different microbial types and varieties that, you know, could, um, you know, um, I could join with plant roots in different symbiotic relationships, you know, um, you know, like, like spinosad, right? Is is a is 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 like a bacteria that's derived from the soil, it's like a soil bacteria, right? That, that yeah. attacks like insects. So, like, it's like that's one off, you know, not necessarily related um, example, but uh, you know. So, so my point back to what you said, you know, you're using a certain one. Like, yeah, it doesn't really matter though what you choose. There are different types of microbes. There are some that people claim are phosphorus fixing more so than other ones that are nitrous. Uh, nitrogen's fixing and and it might be a good idea say to run you know this one in, in flower uh, and this one in, in veg and then maybe run mammoth pea and flower because it's primarily phosphorus fixing but, yeah. but at the end of the day some any microbes are better than none and as long as your plants have happy and healthy uh, that's all that really matters yeah I'm, I'm a great believer in non-canna products for my growing um I just I have this kind of cynicism. I suppose it's probably to do with age, but um, that a lot of cannabis products are just your normal products with a different badge on it and double the price. You know, whereas all of the stuff that everybody's been using to grow lots of non-canna stuff is just the same stuff quite a lot of the time. It just doesn't have that cannabis leaf on it or cannabis badge on it and double the price tag. And it's probably something to do with me being an absolute cheapskate as well. <laughs> Hey, I'm right there with you. I'll DIY my lights before I buy them from HLG any day. Yeah. So, favorite smoke at the moment? Anything that I don't... Question right at the start, but we got right in there, so... (laughs) My favorite smoke right now is anything that I do not have in my possession. Anything new... (laughs) Anything different, anything potent, I don't care, up or down. Um, but besides that, my second most uh, right now, I have been um, I've been focusing on some OG Romulan. Um, the last few days, I've been pressing up some pucks and getting some rosin out of them, and uh, ooh, yeah, it's good stuff. It's been sitting around for about a year now, and the in the jar so it's good and potent kind of kind of 
coffee, kind of mostly coffee. <laughs> a lot of mercy. <laughs> is, is that is that what you had a bit of an accident on the other week? <laughs> uh which one was that? I seem to remember you were you were mixing up some rosin and had gone a little bit OTT eating it. <laughs> oh yeah, what was that? That was some tropic grape and yeah, it was the OG ROM. Yeah, I I packed up a puck and mixed it half and half and then it set me on my like it's the first time in a long time I've had my heart racing while my while my eyes were rolling back in my head. You know? <laughs> <laughs> that's that's my favorite smoke. Whatever does that. So yeah, but I've been on that OG Romulan. You know, I, I pulled off of mixing with the Tropic Grape because I've been on that Tropic Grape. The Tropic Grape is a is a, a, a white grape crosses a Meldica Express that I made. Um, but yeah, I've been on the OG Romulan, which is a, it was a tester that I grew out for, uh, for Katsu Bluebird. I was in his um, testing program. I think he ended up uh, releasing the strain. Um, I think it's, I think he calls it Golden Tuxedo. And it's a cross of, it's an OG cut that he got uh, from a, a guy who knows he's a cut guru. I can't remember the guy's name, but I know he's got all kinds of cuts. Uh, I think he was sharing out with Katsu, and I think it's a cut of OG cut of the white, um, unless I'm mistaken. And then uh, I don't know the mother or the father in the cross. I think the I think the cut's the female. Yeah, I think the OG is the female. And then he hit it with a Romulan uh, male from uh, Jake at Romulan Genetics. Romulan Genetics. To get it to come out but it's a classic og structure it has a you know heavy mercine uh i grew four uh females and uh, they were very consistent in their flower structure and smell and nose and how they smoke and vape and, and press they all press similarly um but one of them standed out significantly and she showed a bunch of dark maroon and pink hues and colors in her so I kept her around for a long time, but uh, I recently let her go. I still have a couple of packs to chase through, so I can oh. probably hunt and <laughs> find them again. Uh, you know, surprisingly enough, dude, there was a lot of consistency in the, in the testing programs I've been in for, you know, Katsu and and uh, Bodhi when I did the testing program for him at Plant More Seeds. I, I found a lot of consistency in their outcrosses. That kind of tells me that these guys, uh, you know, kind of know what they're doing. What they know what they're looking so for. Speaking so of what people feel are good. looking for and knowing what they're looking for, which of your current strains and testing are you most happy with? I'm really, really, really happy uh, with how the Tropic Grape line is coming out. Like I mentioned earlier, that's the white grape. Um, it's a white grape from Bellinos at Brothers and Farms. Um, I think I actually bought the seeds from the website. Yeah, uh, maybe you're year and a half or two, maybe a year and a half ago, maybe even longer. I don't remember. But anyways, use those, cross those to Daz's Zameldica Express F3. Got a chunk of auto rig seeds out of that, the Tropic Grape F1s. Um, primarily got some short leaners, some tall ones that, a few tall ones that look like the Zam, some really big monstrous buds on that I do plant. I don't know plant. if you guys remember that <laughs> was huge. photo of that plant. Um, but anyways, yeah, that one plant, uh, you know, the other one too. Yeah, right. but 
uh, big monsters buds on on <laughs> on those tropic grape f1s um but yeah that's the one that i'm most excited to i've worked it to the f2s ran some f2s uh out um chose a chose some shorter white grape leaning um plants to try to push out some of the inner six traits that that's that the zameldican zameldica male uh, yeah, is, is given to some of the outcrosses and that's the one i'm most excited for we've got um F2's out for testing right now, so we'll see yeah. how, how those... I, um, I have some of those F2's that you sent see those, me, I'll, so see how those I come actually, out. I just finished um, up around, other than, so I'll be playing some of those soon. So I'm actually pleased to hear that that's your favorite strain that's being worked right now, because oh, it'll good. be nice to grow it. And I, I've grown the white grape uh, F2's um, of Bells, and those were just beautiful plants with really... I mean, they weren't huge plants by any means, but... Uh, the bud structure and density was just gorgeous. So I'm definitely excited to try that Tropic Grape. Yeah, it's definitely, um, I, I was I was selecting for smaller size um, bud density and primarily terpene profile. Um, that's kind of the three big ones that I look for. And, and I think in the F2s, um, I've had some really awesome expressions, right? Um, the Zemeldica typically tends to have some sort of fruit berry um, you know melon spearmint and some funk cookie funk maybe or some other type of funk and then crossing it with the white grape I, i found in in, in the uh, in the f1s it was more fruity like the uh um like the zameldica you know more leaning towards zameldica in terms of the nose but uh, uh, but in the following um generation uh there's a lot more of the white grape expression occurring where i'm seeing much more denser uh, bud structure tighter structure it doesn't really i haven't seen any of that um you know foxtail too much you know which is a trait that the zam can can pass along you know having owing to its land race lineage um and uh you know the white grapes kind of it, it it, it narrows down the fruit profile. So each of the plants can have their own fruitness to it, like a singularity, whereas most of the Zam crosses have multi, you know, multifaceted fruit nose. But the white grape, um, you know, like, for example, I was telling, um, I was mentioning earlier that uh, one of the phenols was like a blueberry gunk. Uh, I had another one that was like a blueberry cookie. I had a different one that's, uh, more like a, a, a watermelon, maybe even cantaloupe sometimes with, um, you know, like a scent on the back that I don't really like. You know, I'm going to avoid that, you know, if I can. Um, but, uh, yeah, the nose on the, the F2s is, is, is something special, and I think it's primarily coming from that white grape, uh, you know, and the selection I did. And the F1s, uh, thanks to Bell for... I'm getting those put together. We're seeing some super dense frosty buds coming out. And, uh, and I think some of that lineage came from Baz at Brothers and Farms too. So yeah, that's uh thanks to I, Baz I for, to for uh, sourcing that stuff up. I'm oh, sorry. I didn't, <laughs> I was going to say just, just about Bell. Like I feel like out of all the autos that I've grown, I haven't had a chance to grow any of Baz's yet. Um, but out of all the autos I've grown so far as a grower, Bell, Bellinos has definitely had the most terpy frosty autos that I've, to experience so it's nice that you're working with his stuff it's very exciting 
Yeah, that's why I chose them. That's why I chose them. I was just going to interject with like, is if you could narrow that note was down because different flavors and terps is is it down and you say in the white crest what's the what's the ideal goal of these kind of f2s what's the perfect flavor for you if it was going to be kind of consistent okay so i have an eye towards variety um i get really bored really fast with a lot of repeat stuff so that's kind of where i'm headed i you know i'm trying to create variety out of uh you know a pretty relatively small population right now uh you know the ultimate goal as far as like you know what sort of flavor profile or typing profile i'd like to explore you know it is leaning fruit you know fruit is big the zam does you know the zam passes fruit that every outcross um you know it does it it's dominant in that way so you know i do like the fruits and now that i'm seeing what's coming across in these f2s say for example like the crosses with that white grape I think I'll start to narrow down focus on what I'd like to work towards, right? Like if I see a nice mother fina, you know, a nice male that's given off some blueberry or something like that. I don't know. That's not necessarily what I want, to be honest. But, you know, something like that, a heavy watermelon or something like that, uh, you know, I'll, I'm, I would be all about running a, a watermelon trail on a line and seeing what I could come up with, you know. That'll sound like some great terps. So, um, you know, hmm. So I have to kind of approach things differently, I think. And a lot of us maybe need need to approach it differently because we're doing small-scale breeding. We're not running a bunch of outcrosses, doing large selections like a bunch of the bigger folks. So, you know, I just don't think it's always, a, you know, people always say, well, if you don't have a goal, you know, a specific goal, you know, why are you doing this? You know, um, yeah, and I think maybe it's okay to have more generalized goals because, one, we're running smaller populations. Two, you know, we're not going to be hunting through as many, right? So we're running smaller populations. And, and, and two, at the end of the day, um, you, you know, you're, you're going to spend a lot of time selecting for those specific characteristics and traits. And so, you know, the way I, the way I look at it is um, I'm not putting all my eggs in one basket, I guess is a horrible analogy, right? I, I'm tossing them around and I'm selecting from... Uh, smaller populations that has uh, variance in, in genetic background, and then I'm 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 judging those plants against those how the other plants look, rather than throwing out a bunch of the same outcross for the most part, um, yeah. and saying yeah oh yeah here's the best one let me just run these. I'm saying okay well here's a here's a plot of 28 plants I'm going to do 10 of each of these and oh look you know. Four of them are trash. They're gone. You know, oh, look, three of them had hermaphroditic traits. They're gone. Narrow it down to 12 plants that look strong with different genetic variability. And, and, and I threw, you know, like throw a male on it. Um, and that's kind of where I started and gone back. But now that I'm narrowing down, um, getting back to the main point of the question, uh, now that I'm narrowing down on what I'm seeing in the outcrosses, you know, I'm starting to develop more of an idea of what I might like to do. Um, Am I going to get it? I don't know, <laughs> but but I'm flexible, so I'll work with you know the best of what comes out because I'm selecting from such a small population. The best of what I see seems to be the way to go. If so, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. So, so uh, I, I take it these are are still regs in uh, F two. Yeah, fully working reg lines. Um, yeah, um, 
you know, it's, it's, I, you know, I don't know. I've, it's um, maybe a little easier that, to, um, uh, to some, do some things in a reg line, but it's, it's a lot easier to, keep to do some others. Um, if you keep males in the mix, is that true? As opposed to feminizing seeds and, and going through iterations that way of breeding. Uh, yeah. I would, yeah, I would say so. I mean, you know, there's always this, you know, <laughs> Ooh, here we go. Uh, there's always a likelihood or the possibility that any female can show intersex traits, whether that be type one or type two, type one being you know, primarily stress related and type Type two being primarily hormonally related, like when we think of senescence when the plant dies or realization, you may have heard that term. That's when you try to make seeds by allowing the plant to go real long and it thinks it's gonna die. So it throws out some male flowers and pollinates itself maybe. But <laughs> um, I found that like maybe realization with autoflowers isn't always a possibility. They tend to die before they're able to go five or six, oops, however many weeks to make seeds at the end. So. Um, so I don't know in, in the regard that in regards to like stability, um, I think it's best to work a reg line. Uh, you know, you'll be able to see, you know, what the likelihood of intersex traits in, in the female outcrosses are. Uh, you know, it, it'll hide um, in the males because males are typically less likely to show female flowers. Right, they're less likely. I think than females. For the most part, at least in um, monaceous cannabis uh, cultivars. Yeah, sorry, Dog agrees as well. Like, <laughs> 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 um, so I think, yeah, I think working. It's no, no worries. I think it's best to work. I, I mean, I'm not saying it's best. It's just best for me. Um, you know, I, I haven't really worked a lot of. Um, um, you know, S1s are, I, I haven't done any uh, selfing at, at all to be completely candid. So um, whatever I say about it is just coming from a place of my reading and talking to folks who have done it and uh, and, yeah. and, and seeing the outcrosses and how they might turn out. And I know from experience of running a lot of uh, self-feminized uh, autoflowers uh, that most of them will show, you know, hermaphroditic traits on you too, if you give them enough stress. And so have you been kind of requesting that people stress test your your current grows or are you been kind of doing that yourself? Uh, well, as it turns <laughs> out, <laughs> the nature of the testing program, um, <laughs> you don't even have to ask. Uh, it just happens. <laughs> bit of underwater in, bit of light stress. A little bit of uh, over defoliation. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I do stress test my stuff too, uh, in, in numerous ways, uh, you know, changing light cycles or, you know, just being really lazy about gardening in general, <laughs> you know, like never really, um, uh, being on time or point with anything. I let them do heavy drybacks and, you know, I let the pots go heavy on the drybacks and, you know, I'll, I'll overwater them and, um, you know, I'm also growing a lot of these testers when I'm testing them for my flower as well. So, um, yeah. you know, one thing that I don't find that I do very much is defoliation. Uh, you know, I will do some leaf tucking here and there, but uh, for some reason, most of the 
autos I grow in my environment tend to have a a um, very small leaf to flower ratio. I mean, a very small yeah. leaf to flower ratio. <laughs> so um, the only time I turn the leaves off or whatever is when they're yellowing out. Um, what were we talking about again? Okay. Oh my gosh, the dog threw me off. it up for the end of part one of uh, the interview with Frosty Wookie. I hope you've enjoyed it so far. Please tune in for part two where we'll be diving deeper into Frosty's growing and much more of his strains that he's got on the go. Hope you've enjoyed it so far. Take care. I'll see you soon. Don't forget to drop on over to biffbeans.com.